We've been fighting a long time, and we have all lost so very much, so many loved ones gone. But you are not alone. There are pockets of resistance all around the planet. We are at the brink. You have no idea how important you are. If you're listening to this, you are the resistance. Ave Maricela Hey everybody, it's Steve with Sense Fidelity. I'm coming at you once again with Charles Colomb. Good afternoon, comrade, or good evening where you're at. Good evening, good evening. It's, Reporting it's, from it's, the it's... Austrian front. <laughs> yes, indeed. Everything is going well. We are winning on every side. Well, I wouldn't say every side, but we're, we're certainly uh, much, much freer than we were the last time you and I spoke. Yeah, that's a uh, fluid term <laughs> these days. Yeah. <laughs> It's, you know, as the old Rastaman used to say, it's all Babylon, man, all Babylon. And what about the gym I go to, which I haven't been in two months, posted on Memorial Day. Thank you for our freedoms. I'm go I wrote, I'm going, wait a minute. You've been not allowed to open for the last two months. What freedoms are you talking about? <laughs> you know, the, the, there's a question. <laughs> Don't go there, as they say. <laughs> I mean... You know, <laughs> honestly, this has been a sign of contradiction in the rise and fall of many in Israel. <laughs> I, uh, you're certainly seeing what people are made out of. You know, uh, you're you're seeing as far as the clergy go. You see how some of them go through hoops to try to get their people as many sacraments as they can. Mm -hmm. How others treat it as a sort of mini vacation, mm -hmm. uh, and that's something that should not be forgotten afterwards uh similarly your bishop's policy should not be forgotten your governor's policies your county supervisors and your mayor's policies uh these all need to be remembered and i and i i have to say that one of the things that i have really been annoyed by is the politicization of the whole thing in the sense that if you're quote-unquote conservative You've got to be in favor of immediate and complete release for everybody. If you're quote unquote liberal, you've got to you know make sure everything's locked down and nobody can breathe. Uh, the problem with that is that it kind of gets in the way of what's really happening. And I don't know that anybody really knows. Uh, just to give you one example, I've been saying uh, that Sweden is our control group. Well. A doctor of mine, the doctor friend of mine, reported to me that their infection rate had really spiked and gone way up. But then the week after that, the prime minister of Norway said that he wished they'd followed Sweden's example. Mm -hmm. So, I politicians being politicians, whether they're church or state politicians, I think they'll all go to their graves saying that whatever they did was absolutely the right thing. And that's why you should support them and either vote for them and or give them money. Uh, whether or not you choose to do so, of course, is entirely your own affair. But nevertheless, I can promise you that sooner or later, despite everyone's best efforts, uh, this thing will pass. And in all likelihood, the vast majority of us watching this right now will still be around for when it passes. I, uh, I do want to make a shout out to that handful of centenarians around the globe who apparently, having been struck down with the Spanish flu when they were little <laughs> and survived it, was struck down with the coronavirus and survived it. You know, there are like eight or nine of these people I've heard of worldwide. There may be more. I'm sure there are more. Yeah, you posted but, that yeah. one with the lady with the Bud Light. I'm going, they couldn't get her a real beer? 
<laughs> no, no. Well, it's probably all they had, you know. But I mean, they have the lady with the Bud Light, the Italian soldier. Yeah. There, there have been several of these guys that that and gals that again, you know, they were they were infected with the Spanish flu when they were babies or, or toddlers. They survived that, went through all the hell the world faced after. Mm-hmm. And now, literally in their golden years, are stuck with this nonsense and recover. I, you know, there should be a special order of knighthood for those people. I don't know what you'd call it, but, you know, they, 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 there should be a special U.N. decoration. Just so, don't get them a T-shirt. <laughs> no, 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 no T-shirt. They, a medal, uh, something better than light beer, though. I mean, that's just sad. But uh, seriously, though, uh, other than that, the rest of us will get through this in all likelihood. So that leaves the question, what now? And I think that there needs to be, on the part of all of us, a real reexamination of what we do with our lives, where we are, and all that. Uh, I don't mean to say we should all go through midlife crisis you know, dump our wives and buy, and buy jaguars. That's not what I'm talking about. But I mean, well, we have need an extra to think, one. I'll take one. Well, what extra wife or extra jaguar? Do I look like a Mormon? <laughs> jaguar. Thank you. Anyway, trying to get me in trouble here, Charles. <laughs> well, I, I don't got no extra wives. I don't have any, so I don't have any jaguars. So I'm I'm, I'm completely safe. Uh, I don't even have any live jaguars. <laughs> but. No, the, the Do you like uh, cats? Yeah, hey, take a look at my cat. It's a little cute little guy. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. The, the thing with my mom, she'd ask people, "Do you like cats?" And they'd say, "Yeah, breast or thigh." <laughs> but she she liked to. Well, never mind. She did like to tease. It's I, it skipped a generation. I'm perhaps the only one in the family who doesn't. <laughs> but at any rate, I do. I do digress. No, but, I, but I'm quite serious in that we need to ask ourselves, where are we putting our energy and our time? And what is, above all, what are we actually trying to accomplish? Now, several things will perhaps have been, been made clear to people who have gone through the pandemic. One is that for a lot of people, they will not be happy with the way the church did things during the pandemic. Now, whether or not the shutdown was justified, there are two things that have to be borne in mind. One is that in any jurisdiction where abortion mills were kept open and churches closed, the civil authorities have to be held to account for that some way or the other. You've got to make them pay. you really got to make them pay. The second is whether or not the ecclesiastical authorities uh, in such places protested keeping the abortuaries open and the churches closed. And the second, regardless of whether or not it was prudent to keep the churches closed or not, if the pandemic is being used to force people to receive communion on the hand, when any number of experts, including the ones hired by the Archdiocese of Portland, Oregon, Mm -hmm. have certified that there's no more or less risk either way. If anything, you've got more of a risk of picking up a second infection off your hand um, or passing it on to the priest, perhaps. So uh, there one can only see an attempt by the elderly losers of another generation to force Orthodox Catholics to their will and using the cowardly, horrific tactic of employing the panic around this pandemic to do so. I have very little respect for people who would do that kind of thing. It's one thing if they really believe it, and perhaps some of them do. But if this, for those, to those for whom this is just a cynical tactic, May God give you what you're asking for in this life, preferably, and not the next. Yeah, so I told my wife that everyone will have to answer before I'm that sorry? judge. That's why I I'm told sorry? my wife that the other day, saying, "Nope, we'll have to answer before the judge on that one." Yep, yep. 
So that leaves us the question, what is to be done? Well, whatever you may think of your local clergy, your local diocese, you are still obligated as a Catholic to evangelize. Now the question is, how do we do that? I will leave aside the question of what it is you're bringing them to, because of course you don't know what the church is going to look like in a month, or a year, or a decade. We'll set that aside for the nonce. Rather, we have to bear certain things in mind. One, we still have to evangelize. Two, a lot of our communities are going to be badly hit by the economic uh, results of this pandemic and its attempted suppression. So what to do? Well, I'll tell you. A lot of us, especially in today's internet age, are not really sufficiently present in our own communities. We really aren't. Typically, what a lot of us do is we uh, we go to work in the in the city, whatever the city is. We go to work. We come home to our suburban apartment or house, sit in front of the uh, television or the computer screen until it's time to pass out. Well, you do that five times a week, and then on the weekend you actually live. And if you've got a wife and kids, maybe take them somewhere. That really is not the best way to do things, in my humble opinion. Every community imaginable in this great country of ours and across the globe has a lot of local things going on that the vast majority of people who live in the manner that I've just described simply aren't aware of. A, well, this comes home to me in my own, uh, my own uh, home suburb of Monrovia, California, is elections. People turn out, of course, for national elections, somewhat less for state. But if it's strictly municipal, always a minority. And there, thus, uh, thus is created what I call the tyranny of the involved. You show up, and, you, and suddenly you've got weight. Uh, and the, the irony here is that most of the laws you live under are actually made at the local level. So I think it would behoove you, all of us, to get involved in local affairs. I'm not necessarily saying local politics. It doesn't mean you have to run for mayor or run for city council. But you should know who they are, and you should vote for them, and you should know what they stand for. You should know what your city council is considering, what measures are coming up before them. And at the risk of sounding like the Boy Scout manual in 1969, uh, you should make your voice turn, because that is where most living is done. Um, in our town, Planned Parenthood tried to set up a, uh, an outlet, but community action, it didn't work. Mm -hmm. So no Planned Parenthood in Monrovia. You can do that too in your, own, in your own town. But to do that, you've got to know people. You've got to be, and this is hard for a lot of us, social. Now, how do you do that? Well, there are a lot of ways to participate that uh, how do I put this, have a double benefit. One, they're aimed toward a useful goal in and of itself. And two, it gives you the chance as a practicing, believing Catholic to demonstrate your faith before others. Not just to give a good example, but to uh, give them a reason to find out what you're all about. And that inevitably means you have share your faith. So what am I speaking of here? What am I thinking of directly? Well, I'll give you a few examples. Just about every town and or county in the country has an historical society. Very often given up to the maintenance of some local house museum. You know how it goes. Uh, at some point, 20, 50, 100 years ago, uh, the last heirs of uh, Judge Beasley one of the founding members of the community, and very, very famous in the 1890s, 
he died. His descendants eventually leave the house to the historical committee, who was stuck trying to keep it up, and inevitably turn it into a museum of local history. Well, this is a good thing, and this is an opportunity. It's an opportunity to get to know your town better. It's an opportunity to work with like-minded people. So volunteer for these local historical uh, societies, these local historic uh, museums. More than that, study your local history, find out who the pioneer Catholic priests and settlers were. Mm -hmm. And if at some point you're in a place where you know you can have like masses and stuff, arrange for a requiem mass for Judge Beasley. Turns out he was Catholic. Uh, have a requiem mass for the man and uh, invite all and sundry. And the same is true with all... all kinds of other local stuff, whether it be the land and the woods around it, uh, your garden club, the Rotary, the Kiwanis, all these kinds of things. Don't underestimate. You know, we tend to dismiss them, but don't underestimate how much of what happens in your town happens because people in those organizations make it happen. Mm -hmm. The dictatorship of the involved. Every town has a, an annual calendar. Mm -hmm. And you know what they've got. They've, they may have an annual carols thing for Christmas. If you're really lucky, they might even have a Christmas display, probably with a discreet yarmulke placed, not a yarmulke, gosh, what am I, thinking, what am I saying? A discreet menorah uh, placed near the nativity scene. Uh, and maybe, as I say, a town carol sing. It could be that uh, they do something for the 4th of July every year, Halloween, uh, an Easter egg hunt. These are the kinds of things that the towns do. They'll get involved in it. There's only tons of volunteers. You'll find the same people doing the same stuff over and over again. So join them. And if your kids are old enough, get them to work with you. Uh, these sorts of things sound almost cliche, except that they really do make your your uh, your uh, community a better place. And again, it gives you a chance to display your faith in front of others. Yeah, I mean, the Halloween. I remember a Look couple years ago, I just see how you can Pierre involve the Well, see. And the, everyone at work was going, "Who? what are you, a mountain climber? And you're able to, hey, this is what this guy is. He's incorrupt. He's blah, blah, blah. And they, now they yeah. got him thinking or pass out miraculous medals. And when someone comes up with it, give him a snicker bar during Halloween. But trick or treat, give him a miraculous medal too. Well, you you know what I do on Halloween? I make up, in the, well, I make, I make up these you know bags of candies. Uh -huh. I get candy corn, little Tootsie Rolls, the little Milky Way bars, and all that stuff. But I print up a bunch of little notices saying that the original purpose of this was souling. And people would go door to door and, and so on. So I asked for prayers for the dead of my, uh, my family. Mm -hmm. So I turned their trick-or-treating into souling. Yeah. And believe it or not, some of them actually do it. I know because they come back and tell me they've done it. Yeah, because if not, if you give them, if you're mean to them or anything like that, they're going to say, yeah, that Catholic house down there is going to have a bad yep. rep. But instead, you give them really good candy uh -huh. and a request to pray for your dead with, you know, little little things around it. Mm -hmm. You know, it should be as, as pleasant as possible. And see, very often they themselves will be Catholic, and that'll, that'll be a subtle way of reminding them they should be praying for the dead anyway. So there's a lot you can do along those lines when you've got uh, baptisms or confirmations or first communions in your family. Mm -hmm. Throw a party, invite your non-Catholic friends. Mm -hmm. And again, if you've been uh, working in the community, uh, you'll have more than just your workmates to invite. Here's your one. Invite them to Mass on Sunday and then take them out for a beer after. Indeed. And again... If you have a if you have a, a requiem mass done mm -hmm. for some local figure, that's something in particular you can you can uh, and you could build a dinner around that. Mm -hmm. You know, 
you uh, judge old Judge Beasley gets his requiem on Wednesday night, and then you'll all go to the Blanche Fleur restaurant, yeah. uh, Dutch Street, of course. <laughs> the funny thing is, the smaller the town, the less they mind that. Mm -hmm. I mean, the less they mind the, it being Dutch Street. I don't know why that is, but it's true. Uh, but seriously, take part in as many of these local things as you can, uh, as you've got the time, because obviously everybody's different, and everybody's interests are different, you know. It might be that you're not interested in historic houses. That's fine. Do something outside with the local uh, local land conservancy or land trust or whatever you've got going on in your town. Parks and recreation. Uh, fish and wildlife. I mean, whatever. Uh, I guarantee you there's a ton of things like that in your town. I don't care where you are. And right now, they are primarily done by the same small group of people. Mm -hmm. I can tell you that, too. Many of whom will not have been able to do anything because of the pandemic. A lot of these places will really feel threatened. And that brings you to another point. And that is, to the degree that you're able financially, shop locally. Mm -hmm. Try to avoid the chains. Now, it's not always possible uh, because mom-and-pop shops are generally a bit more expensive than the chains are. That's the great appeal of the chains. Mm -hmm. But uh, some really smart person came up with a campaign, which I, I, I fully endorse. They call it Shop Local Saturday, which is one Saturday out of the month, you don't go to a chain. Mm -hmm. You just you go downtown. You don't go out to the mall. You go to your old downtown. You know, the one that was rotting when the mall opened up yeah. and all the, all the businesses left or died. So it's been sitting there for 20 or 30 years. Mm -hmm. And then you have this historic uh, district idea. And now you've got all these little boutiques and restaurants and so forth. Well, you may not really be happy with the boutiques and so forth. But see what you can do to shop in that historic district. Because you know what? The mall's still going to be there. Don't you be worrying about the mall. You do have to worry about your downtown. That you do have to worry about. And again, same, same. Well, Mr. Smith, as you drop by the uh, you drop by the uh, shoe store or whatever it is, good to see you. Oh, good to see you. So, uh, what are you looking for? Well, you know, my daughter's having her first communion, so I need something really nice. Oh, first communion. What's that? Uh -huh. Well, you tell him. You see, I wanted to look kind of like a bride because they have these little bridal things they wear and all that kind of stuff. So do you have a white shoe that would look good on a little girl of eight years old who's dressed like that? Huh. Well, I don't know. Let me see. Come back here. You see, that's the way you do it, ladies and gentlemen. Simple. It really is. It's, it's simple if you set your mind to it because mm -hmm. the more you think about this stuff, the more opportunities will open to you. You but can't you be have scared to, to do it. No. Well, there's nothing to be scared about because notice every case I've mentioned, mm -hmm. you're giving something in return. Mm -hmm. So they have an obligation to listen to you. That's the trick. It's not like you're being a Jehovah Witness going door to door. <laughs> you are literally in a position where you it's a quid pro quo. Mm -hmm. You know, sure, I'll uh, I'll dose at the Doc Beasley house uh, every third Wednesday from four to six. They always have weird hours because they're all volunteer. You know, um, yeah, I'll do that. I'm wondering. I know we I know we let the place out for weddings and so on. You think I might get a discount on my uh, son's confirmation party? Well, yeah, sure, but what's a confirmation party? There are ways and there are ways. And then, of course, again, you know, if it so happens that Judge Beasley was a Catholic, you'll actually have insights into him that the other members of the society don't have. You know, yeah, I always wondered why he, uh, why he spent all that time in Rome in uh, the summer of uh, 1888. We got on pilgrimage. <laughs> well, well, what's this? Oh, my heavens. He brought back an unused day. I was that what that is? You know, we, we were all wondering. Weren't we wondering, Dora? 
Yes, that's just what we were doing. You never see a little wax cake with a lamb on it. I didn't know what it was. Brought it back from Rome. We've got the note. But what it meant, we had no idea. Mm -hmm. You see, you'll have insights into things. They won't. That's that's important. I uh, I must say, too, frankly, having gone to places like that all across this great country of ours, you never remember the details. At least I don't. But what, you know what I do remember? Is the enthusiasm of the docents. Because, mm -hmm. you know, they, they will tell you these stories about these places to the nth degree, and you know they absolutely adore them. You know, uh, and here you see the you see the wood on the rails of the stairway. Well, that there is Indian mahogany that was brought back by Judge Beasley's great uncle, who had been a, a clipper captain in the China trade. He brought that back, and it was in the original house in Salem, Massachusetts. And when that was going to be torn down, the judge went all the way back to Massachusetts and rescued it. And as you see, put it up here. You'll be looking at this stuff, be like, okay, that's great. But they're absolutely excited. It's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. The trick, because today, you know, no one's excited about anything. No one has any love or enthusiasm. I'm exaggerating. Even before, but, even before this. Oh, long before. Yeah. So when you meet these sorts of people, they do have it. They do have an enthusiasm. Well, they wouldn't be doing what they're doing. They wouldn't volunteer their time. So making contact with such people can be very stimulating in and of itself for you. Because mm -hmm. don't forget, it is a two-way street. You will get as much as you give, I promise. You know, and if, if you do conservation work, you know, uh, or you you, you do uh, you help out with the, the calendar stuff, or cultural stuff, or anything you like. Believe me, ladies and gentlemen, you are going to be in for a good time, and you'll meet some very interesting people. Because I'll tell you one thing about people who are really into stuff that's not quite mainstream. They're very interesting. They're not dull. No, no. That comes out of a real enthusiasm for something you're not particularly interested in. You know how it is. And so you see here this rose... This is a, a Colonel Clampett Rose. Now, there aren't many of these left anymore, but Colonel Clampett Roses were all the rage in this part of the country about 120 years ago. And we've got one of the last stands of Colonel Clampett Roses in this part of the state. That's amazing. It used to be everywhere. You look at the old pictures. Everybody's got Colonel Clampett Roses. But you won't see them like this now, except right here. And, and this is what, you know, even if you're bored stiff, there's a certain, how do I put it? Interest. Yeah. 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 I mean, and, and any any building or park or anything else that has a friends of group, uh -huh. they're worth checking out. You know, the, the friends of the Slackjaw Library. Yeah, and that's another thing. Libraries often have friends of organizations. And, you know, if you're into books, mm -hmm. you're into library work, do it. You'll meet other people who are into books. I think part of the problem is that for a lot of us, especially with a traditional uh, background, we're not that used to interacting outside the community, our community. And the problem with that is that we are called upon to evangelize. We are called upon to leave our comfort zone. I hate that phrase. It's up there with consciousness raising. Mm, yeah. Meet them where but, they're at. I'm sorry? Meet them where they're at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yet, sadly, sometimes we have to use these words because there's nothing else that really, really has the same meaning. So we do have to meet them where we at. And like I caught myself the other day. I said, stay safe. I punched myself in the face. <laughs> I know, right? I hate that phrase. I know, right? No, wrong. Like? It's like, yeah, you know? Gosh, there was a wonderfully funny uh, television program about 25 years ago now, God help us, which you can see online, set in Los Angeles, called It's Like You Know. 
and it's the adventures of a writer from New York who comes out to L.A. And it, it's, it's, it's very, very funny. At one point, this fellow from the L.A. Times wants him to do a column. And he says, but I hate Los Angeles. He says, yeah, I know. We're going to call the column L.A. And he says, do you have any kind of integrity at all? He says, no. Now, what we're <laughs> he just keeps on talking. And again, the guy stops him like four minutes later. Haven't you any integrity? He says, I thought I answered that. No. <laughs> now, can we get on? <laughs> one, one of the episodes, you know what a succubus is. It's a female demon, etc. So this succubus arrives. And uh, the, the, uh, this female character is talking to her and says... Uh, uh, you know, are, are, are you succubi all over the world or just here? He says, oh, we're all over the world. Uh, but L.A. is our main office. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and the funny thing is nobody can say the word. They try, but they can't. Shutter bus? Is that what you are? No, I'm not a shutter bus. It's... It's very, very funny. Uh, it's like you know. I recommend it highly. Even though it makes us look stupid. Not about looking stupid. The truth doesn't hurt. Oh, never mind. Anyway. But seriously, though, this this is my, uh, my considered uh, thought after the pandemic. Is that we really, really, really need to put ourselves into the local scene without ever losing sight of why we're doing it, which is the salvation of souls. I grant you that a lot of our clerics don't have any interest in that, apparently, if you can judge from their actions. But see, that's not our problem. I mean, it is in a practical sense, because you want to get the sacraments and so forth. But in terms of doing what you need to do with your life, what I need to do with mine, that's not my problem at all. Because evangelization, the saving of souls, at the end of the day is part of saving my soul. That's the thing. And that that has to be the major consideration. Uh, because despite everything, nothing has changed. You still go to hell the same way, you still go to heaven the same way. Uh, and you can, you know, you can get excited. You can jump up and down. You can say we've been sold down the river, which may well be true, but it doesn't change the facts. It's along the lines of uh, I have to eat. Well, yeah, but don't you understand that since the pandemic, everyone's awful. Yeah, I got that part, but I still have to eat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but don't you? No, no, no. I, I, I do. I get it, but I still have to eat. Well, similarly, I still have to save my soul the way it has always been from the time of Adam to the present. It doesn't matter at the end of the day what the priests, the bishops, the Pope do because they're not going to be responsible for my soul. I am. It's that great Frank C. line. Yeah. Go ahead, say it. Repeat oh, it. I'm not going to. I'm not going to the beatific vision of the Pope, uh, the, the papacy. I'm not going. To, I'm not going to the communion of cardinals. No, and the Church is not the mystical body of the Pope. So we have to understand that, and we have to, as they say, pray as though everything depended upon God, and work as though everything depended upon us. And just in case anybody's confusing us, we're not talking about Pope Francis. We're there's been bad popes in no. history, as we talked about last time. Julius III. come out of it. it. All that matters is that you play up your part mm-hmm. in the time in which God has placed you and in the place in which he's placed you. Mm-hmm. I recommend all of this local action stuff for a very simple reason. It's there, and it's convenient. Mm-hmm. And especially in the post-pandemic era, you'll have all kinds of volunteer organizations scrambling for volunteers. Mm-hmm. 
If you make yourself available, all kinds of doors will open for you. I mean, if you've got an easy personality, if you're the kind of person who quickly finds fault with everything, yeah, you better stay home. Yeah. Don't don't, don't inflict yourself on others. Yeah. yeah, just you know, stare at the wall and contemplate your perfection. Mm-hmm. Uh, because nobody, you know, Saint Teresa said, "Oh Lord, save me from uh, sour saints." Yes. Nobody wants that. Nobody needs that. And yet, certainly, if we were to believe what we see on Twitter and Facebook. A lot of us have a problem with that. A lot of us need a little bit more purity than the world is capable of giving. And if you're very pure like that, you need to stay home and contemplate your purity. Yes. And then we'll see how pure you are when you cry. Or to put this another way, as my late father used to say, I sure hope our Lord has the same opinion of her saintliness that she does. You know, I think another one of those lines was C.S. Lewis, because by their hunted look, mm-hmm. that don't do that. <laughs> Bad touch. Bad. Don't do that. But do do look into these things, ladies and gentlemen. If you're, if you're at all social, if you have any interest in anything other than sitting at home and staring at the wall, go out there. See what's to be seen. Every town is different. And explore your town just for the its own sake. Uh, find out about the history of your own parish. Mm-hmm. Find out about the history of the parishes around you. Uh, you'll be amazed about what you'll discover. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the extraordinary unsung heroes who are completely forgotten because they were so much better than we are. They yeah, were, I know how that sounds. When I've done two episodes of uh, how the faith came to the United States, Colorado and New, New Mexico, and we went to uh, uh, San Francisco of Taos uh, Parish and uh, asked the priest there, "Hey, where's the where's where's the place, where's the martyrs buried at? I've heard there's martyrs buried underneath the altar." He turned around so happy. He shot the priest yeah. for forty five minutes. I didn't know anybody knew about this anymore. See, this is exactly what I mean. Precisely. And you'll be amazed. I mean, we know the Spanish Southwest has a lot of this kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, I've read a lot of local histories as well as visited a lot of these places. And, you know, uh, Father Colvatz was the pioneer priest of Duncan County. You know, and when he came there, there were two Irish families and one German family living in log cabins. And by the time he died, 30 years later, there were six churches you know, and all this kind of thing. These characters lived all over this country of ours. Uh-huh. Uh, and they need to be pulled out of obscurity and brought to the light of day. And then, again, this is the kind of thing where your local historical society can A, be helpful, but then B, would also be interested. Mm-hmm. Now, that also means you'll have to learn a lot about a lot of things you're not that interested in. You're probably not interested in the fact that Reverend Absalom Jones gave the first Methodist sermon west of Wisconsin in your hometown. Yeah. But it's interesting. Mm-hmm. And you and if you expect people to be interested in your stuff, you've got to show them some interest in theirs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it also tells you about the town itself. Why were the first Methodists, uh, the first settlers Methodist? Where did they come from? Mm-hmm. There's a story there. There always is. Uh, I don't know if you know... Um, uh, I don't know if you know uh, Garrison Keeler's mythical hometown of Lake Wobegon. No. Well, he did a radio show for many years called Prairie Home Companion. Now, Keeler is kind of a leftist, but I love his work, despite his uh, politics. It's very, very funny and very Minnesota in the immediate, very Midwest in a larger sense. So he's got this town. They're all either Norwegian Lutherans or German Catholics. And again, it's 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 built up the it's a, a mythos, but it's built upon the kinds of things that really happen. So, for instance, the Catholic Church, Our Lady of Perpetual Responsibility, is uh, the the, uh, the the pastor is a Benedictine monk, which is very common in a big chunk of Minnesota. And the Lutherans, of course, the Lutheran uh, minister is based on God knows how many Lutheran ministers. That was where I first heard the phrase Lutheran coffee. (laughs) 
You know how you make Lutheran coffee? <laughs> well, you have to first you get a, a church basement and a coffee machine. Okay. And then you never change the filter. <laughs> Ever. So you get this black, gelatinous goo. <laughs> and that's what they drink after Lutheran service. So, you know, it's it's that kind of thing, mm -hmm. which you would only know if you'd been there. But the mythical, uh, the mythical uh, uh, history of his hometown, so-called Lake Wobegon, he claims that Wobegon is a Chippewa Indian word, meaning place where we stood in water up to our knees. <laughs> Wobegon. Uh, and his, his, the, the original settlers were Unitarian missionaries <laughs> who came out from New England. But the mission failed when a French-Canadian seduced and married one of the missionary uh, chicks. And that was the end of the, the Unitarian missionaries in, uh, in Lake Wobegon. But, but see, that's the kind of thing that actually did happen in Midwestern history. I mean, it wasn't quite so grotesque, but yeah, yeah, yeah. one of, the, uh, one of the, uh, the lines I remember regarding Father Emil, who's the Catholic priest, he's looking around on one episode for trying to figure out some way to raise money. He said, there was no point asking his faraway abbot. He had taken a vow of poverty, at least as far as Father Emil's parish was concerned. <laughs> but I mention this simply because every town has its story. And in the vast majority of towns, there's a Catholic element. Mm -hmm. Now, if there isn't, let's say you move to some part of the South where there haven't been Catholics in the beginning until, I don't know, maybe you got there. Or until World War II, when they opened up the airbase, and then suddenly there were Catholics when there never had been any. Mm -hmm. You know what? That's part of the history. And you can find out who the first the first Catholic post-chaplain was mm -hmm. and have a requiem mass set for him and invite all the members of the historical society to it. <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. And it takes creativity, mm -hmm. takes a lot of thought, but apply yourself to it because this is missionary work. It's evangelization, and that's the way you need to look at it as. The fact that a lot of it will be entertaining and informative and enjoyable, well, that's okay, too. That's not a bad thing. Make sure you have wine and other drinks for people, too, to enjoy themselves. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. As St. Francis de Sales put it, you draw a lot more flies with honey than vinegar. And remember, ladies and gentlemen, there's a very simple way to figure out how to be an evangelizer. Be the kind of individual you'd like to spend time with. Be the kind of person you'd like to hear talk. If you do that, there'll be somebody who will respond. Because there are a lot of different sorts of people out there. And even if if you if you consider yourself the most boring person in the room, I promise you, get you in with a bunch of other people, there'll be at least one other person as boring as you are. And you'll believe me, you'll find each other. You really will. There's, <laughs> there's no doubt off. in my mind. <laughs> Absolutely. You collect tennis balls too? <laughs> yep. I do. I've got an incredible collection of tennis balls. I have one signed by Jack Laudner. The Jack Laudner. No, I've never heard of this person. I made up the name. Yeah, it doesn't yeah, yeah. matter. Uh, he, yep, yep. 1938. He signed the tennis ball and he gave it to my grandpa. Oh my gosh. Can I touch it? <laughs> you know, and that's, that's the other thing you should also bear in mind. Pursue your hobbies and join organizations for people with that hobby. Join literary societies if you're a big reader. You know, if you're if you're a huge fan of, uh, oh gosh, I don't know, Edgar Rice Burroughs, join the Edgar Rice Burroughs fan club. I mean, do stuff. Or start one. Or start one, exactly. Exactly. Do stuff. And believe me, believe me, you'll have a certain amount of success in terms of bringing people closer to the faith, and you'll also have a good time. And you'll do something objectively useful, all on its own.
Three things, ladies and gentlemen. Three. That's pretty neat. So that is my my sermonette <laughs> for May 29th. And speaking of May 29th, which is today in real time, several important things happened today. I wouldn't want to I wouldn't want to sneak off without letting your audience know. The past is prologue. Indeed, indeed. First and foremost, something terrible happened today. May 29th was the day the Constantinople fell to the Turks in 1453. And dying with his troops was Blessed Constantine XI, Emperor of Byzantium, the last Eastern Roman Emperor, and he died in communion with the Holy See. That's why he's a blessed. Mm-hmm. So, say a prayer to him if you feel besieged. He's been there. He knows. The uh, second thing that happened on this day was much, much happier. Because May 29th is Oak Apple Day, Restoration Day in England. Mm -hmm. This is the day Charles II took the throne of his fathers, and the evil regime of Cromwell came to an end. And bad as it was for Anglicans, Cromwell's tyranny was much worse for Catholics. And our English fathers and our Irish fathers and our Scottish fathers, when Charles II came to the throne, a sigh of relief was heard across the three kingdoms. It got its name Oak Apple Day, incidentally, which Oak Apple's an acorn, because in 1651, when uh, Charles II was defeated by Cromwell at the Battle of Worcester, he hid in an oak tree. And the interest interesting thing is that the priest who helped him hide out at that juncture was the priest who received him into the church on his deathbed in 1685. And I forget whether Charles said it to him or someone else said it to him, but someone or other told the priest, well, you saved his body years ago and you've just saved his soul. Interesting little factoid. And you see, I'm wearing my Royal Stuart Society tie and my Society of King Charles the Martyr pin to show it's Restoration Day, Oak Apple Day. But wait, there's more. The third date today, we go back to somber now. This was the day in the 1860s that the Emperor Maximilian arrived in Mexico Hmm. and uh, began the exciting and ultimately fatal drama. The funny thing about Maximilian, his tomb is here in Vienna, you know, at the Kaiser Gruft. When I was young and I used to come and see it, there wouldn't be anything there. You know, it was just, there was the the sarcophagus and that was it. Now, it's always stuffed with prayers and and a sombrero and Our Lady of Guadalupe cards. And I mean, the Mexicans who come to Vienna now, it's, it's like a site of pilgrimage, which shows we've made some sort of progress over the past couple decades. Mm -hmm. Let me see, anything else I should tell you before? Oh, yes, one thing. One thing that's very important. Do not be afraid to uh, try to involve people in your obscure hobbies. Don't Don't be afraid. Do you know the obscurest hobby I know? And there's actually an association for people who do this. You got me on this one. Rocks. Close. California citrus orange grape crate art. Okay. Yeah. There's a group for everybody. Go, go online. Well, you said it's beautiful stuff. You know, it really is, because it's very imaginative. Strange, but imaginative. This, You know, they had these wooden crates in the first part of the 20th century that oranges and lemons and grapefruit were transported from California to the rest of the country. And they have all of these very colorful labels with some extraordinary artwork. Well, they have people dedicated to collecting those things, and they have societies and conventions. And I've never been to one. I mean, I've... <laughs> I, I okay, but anyway, um, I have I have actually had someone show me off their collection, and again, 
as with Judge Beasley's house, I was amazed at the enthusiasm. What? Yeah, you start asking questions. <laughs> yeah, you, you begin to. Well, why did they call it Mission Brand? Mm -hmm. Well, you see, that's because the orange groves originally belonged to the San Gabriel Mission. And that's why they kept the name when it became a, uh, a, a private company. See? That's... Let that be a lesson to you. Oh, one other thing before I forget. Fraternal organizations, veterans organizations, mm -hmm. hereditary organizations. Yes, if you descend from, uh, oh, I don't know, Daughters of the American Revolution, sons of, of uh, colonial wars, sons of Confederate veterans, anything like that. Mm -hmm. Especially if they have a local chapter that's actually doing something. See about getting involved. They too have worked very hard to preserve bits and pieces of our glorious national heritage. Mm -hmm. And so much the better if you can add a Catholic twist to it. All right. Plenty and of so that, I think, especially in those wars. What's that? There's plenty of that, especially in those wars. Chaplains. Oh, gosh, yes. I mean, they, well, they all have chaplains. Mm -hmm. Every every branch has a chaplain. And if you can convince uh, one of your priests to serve as a chaplain in organizations like that, mm -hmm. that's, a, that's also a good thing. Uh, I'm presuming, of course, that he was available for something at some point during the recent unpleasantness. But, and, and remember, priests are terribly busy anyway. But... If you can get a priest, uh, you know, who, like let's say you're uh, given you're in North Carolina, let's say you find that you're capable of joining the Sons of Confederate Veterans in your local uh, local town there, and it so happens the chaplaincy is vacant, and uh, your pastor is a Civil War buff. Mm -hmm. Sounds like a match made in heaven to me. Yeah, and technically I probably could because uh, we traced one back to the Tennessee militia. Look at look up the organization. See if you can join. Um, and if and if they've got a local body and and they're doing stuff and all that, jump on in. Uh, you know, it's, it's all of this contributes to the health of your community. And remember, grace builds on nature. You know, if uh, if you want your community to be a Catholic community, it's got to be a healthy thriving community mm -hmm. to get there yeah do something for it yeah can't just want it won't. It. exactly exactly that is a great do idea something. i wish somebody would do it <laughs> well i have to admit that i did my best to put this into practice when i was living in ally mm -hmm. it's true and i had a lot of you know i joined several local organizations um that did different things. And I'm very glad I did. I met a lot of really great people. Uh, here in, in Trumau, of course, schooling and writing pretty much keeps me busy. But if you've got the time, you know, mm -hmm. uh, especially if you're retired or your kids are at school or anything, you'll, you'll enjoy it. You'll enjoy it. You'll meet new people, get out of the usual rut. It may cut in on your TV or computer time. Mm -hmm. But above all, you mustn't do what a fellow I knew used to do. If he wasn't at Mass or at work, now he was a father and had kids, that he was sitting in front of the TV watching old John Wayne movies and drinking beer. Don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. The past will take care of itself and it will always be there for you. The present and the future are what need you now. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty much my sermonette. <laughs> I was just thinking, yeah, if you, if you do want to bring and do that and have a beer, invite people over, make sure you got yeah. the, rum the rum book by Charles, maybe drinking with the saints. Somebody might read, open that up. Well, you, you could you could do that, you know, and you could show movies that'll sort of push them. I mean, Song of Bernadette and the Miracle of Our Lady of Fatima, maybe not so much, but uh, you know, you could find a a really good movie uh, with Catholic characters. Mm -hmm. 
especially you know if you've got a, if you've got a star thing like if you showed uh, oh gosh uh, a film like Saving Private Ryan or whatever mm-hmm. uh, where there are Catholic elements in it you can explain them you know Gangs of New York yeah I remember watching the, what was that the ex, uh, that last exorcism movie uh, with the Anthony Hopkins uh, oh yeah I can't remember the name of the darn movie right now but I'll but invite people I'll see invite people over for friends it. and they would ask me throughout the movie of course what's this about of course what's this about what's this about yeah yeah use that remember ladies and gentlemen every non-catholic you know as a soul even if they're related to you and so they're in your life for a reason don't waste it and go out there and meet people do things don't lose your humanity yeah and again do what you can for your own section that's all you can do uh you know i i was made acquainted this past week with a phrase i'd never heard before a word i'd never heard before which was glocalism and you know it, it's it's a play off the really annoying phrase think globally act locally mm-hmm. But annoying as that phrase is, it's actually not untrue. Because as Catholics, we're part of a worldwide religion Mm -hmm. with local expressions in every nation. Mm -hmm. We have to have the worldwide aspect always in front of us. And at the same time, we have to be deeply rooted in where we are. And then in between, there are all sorts of structures, you know, the state, the nation, and so forth. So, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, there's a, a whole world out there to evangelize. Do it and have a good time while you're doing it. Just on the, what you just said, my channel and your channel, we reach all over the planet. But where yeah. you're at when the channel's not there, when you're walking around the streets, you got to worry yeah. about the local area. Well, I mean, we can talk all we like, and we do, oddly enough. <laughs> But there is no substitute for a real person. Mm-hmm. For I mean, you remember the eunuch of Queen Candace of Ethiopia? Yeah. I need someone who, who shall explain these scriptures to me. He needed someone to teach him. And that someone was Philip the deacon who got lifted miraculously and dumped in front of him. That's Acts chapter 8 for all you Catholics out there who don't know what the chapter and verse is. <laughs> But it's an important story. Yes. Uh, I mean, you can look at everybody, all the non-Catholics you know in your town as so many Ethiopian eunuchs, mm-hmm. and you as Philip. Mm-hmm. Think back to how you got to be where you are right now, and it will seem extremely unlikely that that would ever have happened. Almost always. Mm-hmm. So you can take it for sure that justice with Philip God pulled you up by the hair and dropped you where you are. So respond to it the way Philip did. Well, he's Charles Colomb, everybody, again. And uh, Mondays is the show. Uh, oh, what's the name of the show again? Uh, it's called Off the Menu. Off the Menu. Ah, sorry, Vinny. <laughs> oh, don't worry. He'll pay you back. Yes, You'll be interested will. to know that there was a special Off the Menu done yesterday, which should be online now. Really? No. Yeah. Well, what happened was we got 12 questions from a patron. And so Vinny decided we should just answer them. And we did. And it was good. I'm glad we did. I feel very, what's the word I want? Happy we did so. Good, good. Always always an entertaining show, too. We try. God, we try. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, God bless you, old man. And uh, God bless all of you and our fabulous studio audience. Uh, and we shall see you, I guess, next next week. Possibly. If it all Long, works out well. What's that? If it all works out well. Long as this pandemic keep going. Long <laughs> as we're under semi-lockdown. Uh, you know, I, I'm not really going to be uh, free of it until I can travel freely back and forth between here and the States. Yeah. Uh but it does make a lot of difference being able to go out to restaurants and again that, oh, that, yeah. that makes a huge difference oh and make sure 
ladies and gentlemen, as soon as you're out from under lockdown, you hit all the bars and restaurants that you haven't been able to go to because they need the dough. All your neighborhood joints. Yeah, all go. those uh, service industry people are getting killed right now. Oh, gosh, yes. So if you if you could possibly afford it, ladies and gents, run down to Kelsey's or the Donut Cafe or whatever and eat and drink a storm. I remember Dr. Woods, uh, one of his podcasts, says he leaves a, a tip a little bit higher than what he usually does. Just, yeah, me too. Yeah. Me too. I only have the one cafe here in Trumau, but, mm-hmm. I yeah, I'm leaving larger tips now just because I know they need it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, be kind, ladies and gentlemen, be kind. I, I hate to say it, but reach out, you know. Uh, and I even more, I hate to say we're all in this together, but we actually are. Well, our masters aren't, of course. Yes. <laughs> they're, I don't know what they're in. <laughs> we all are in it together. We're all isolated collectively. So... Let's break that, and let's let's bring the good news of the of the faith to wherever God has seen fit to, to seen fit to plant us. Amen to that. Appreciate it, Charles. You bet. Take God care. bless you all, and good night.